Blog Talk Radio. Real sports guys. Another way of supporting us and 
and hopefully we can support, you know, them. And so tonight before we start, I want to just acknowledge the people who, um, who finished and who uh, won uh, awards for uh, uh, during this, uh, at the end of this tournament. And so in third place in the RSG Challenge this year uh, was Ryan Thompson, uh, finished third place, and he's going to win a $50 uh, Amazon gift card. Uh, Ryan, congratulations. Um, uh, Thompson, uh, uh, Phil T, I don't know if that's a, any relationship. I think it might be, uh, but we'll it's talk not. about it later. It's not. It's not. It's not. Oh, it's not. Okay, okay. There we go. Shoot, we, we stretch it across the globe. So, you know, I thought, you know, because I saw Will Sunday, like, uh, or, or Kirkland, I'm thinking, oh, that's a cousin over there. Uh, we have to check our rules. Um, but it's good to know that. So that's a great thing. So it tells our brand is expanding. Uh, and then Lamar Powell. So Lamar's, you know, come and jump on the air, been a, a listener all the time. Uh, you know, one of my young homies who, who loves and, and, and is uh, always following us on social media, posting stuff, being involved. He got second place, and he's going to get a fire tablet with uh, it's a seven-inch display. And so congratulations to Lamar. And then our winner. And this year we did a little different wrinkle. And I have to give it to my, you know, I call Phil D, Phil T, Dr. Dre. You know, I've known this young man for, I'll call him young man because he's a little younger than me, for a long time. And when you get to know him, he just has a knack for figuring out, like, what's the next move and and thinking it through. And, and I was trying to think about something different we want to do this year. And so he came with something I think just aligns with who we are in terms of our value system. And so the, the, the winner this year gets to do a live podcast with us, 30 minutes with, you know, one of the RSG members. It might be a couple of us. And so uh, Susan Cooster, I believe I should pronounce it, won. Uh, Susan um, had finished with, I think, 310 points. As you all know, this was a bloodbath. With Michigan State going out with so many top teams losing, um, uh, Susan had a great first and, I think, second round. I looked at uh, her uh, her uh, uh, brackets, um, but finished first. Um, and uh, we'll be working with Susan, and we'll be doing a live podcast where it's a way we try to bring the people into our world, and it's a way that we can kind of share this journey with uh, people in the RSG community. So look forward to her doing that live podcast here soon with us, and uh, we're looking to have fun with that. And, uh, you know, I always got to get credit. You know, uh, you know, Phil, that, that was a great one. And Phil, I also have to say, you know, Phil finished fourth. Now, if y'all been listening to our podcast for a while, and, you know, this year, Phil, we had an unfortunate thing because, you know, scheduling, these are real sports guys. We've got other lives and stuff. Phil wasn't really on with us for the pre-kind of tournament show. And normally he'll drop his bracket. And every once in a while, he'll have, like, <laughs> a school like Flippy Rock University in the Final Four. I mean, if you go go back and listen to the past podcasts, it's all you get is silence and crickets, myself and Grand Game Changer, and we try to digest <laughs> what we just heard. And then, so, so then at that point, Game Changer and I already know it's a two-person race because the way this thing works is if we finish in anywhere in the top three, any of those slots we finish in, those prizes are not available. And so we already know it's all on us. But this year, my man, and the hard thing about it is anybody who knows Phil is he is the most analytical person you will ever know. He's the most processed person. He's the kind of person that might not, he might go chop. You think he's going to go chop. You think his bracket, I think, what, what was your high, what was, the, what was the final, what was the total number that one year of, of the seeds that you had in the final four? It was extraordinary. What was the number? 
It was like close to 30. <laughs> now, think, now think about that number. <laughs> yeah. It was like okay. a couple of 12 seeds, like a one and a six, something like that. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but so, so, that, so, so. that was the year that I picked Dayton to go to the great, to the Elite Eight, though. That was that year. Yes. Yes. So, so let, let, let me, let me, let me give you a chance because we didn't get a chance to really talk to you about it. So, what was different about your approach this year? Um, honestly, I spent five minutes doing it. I haven't watched a lot of college basketball this year, and I entered in three brackets. This is actually the worst one I did. I won the other one that you and I and some friends did. Then I won a bigger one with like fifty people, and then this one I came in fourth and combined. I pretty much submitted the same bracket for the most part. I had Michigan State going to the Final Four. I had South Dakota uh, South Dakota State going to the Final Four. I had, I think, Wichita State, South Dakota State playing to go to the Final Four. So what happened was I, like, the scoring helped out because the first couple of rounds I picked a couple of upsets, like West Virginia mm. losing to Sam, was it Sam Houston State? Or mm-hmm. Stephen F. Austin. Um, anyway, I picked a couple of those. I picked Yale to win, and and the two with you, you know, you get double the points if you pick a yeah. high seed to win early. So yeah, I think that's how it went down. So 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 basically, you took the same approach, but the dice just rolled your way. I spent five minutes. That's it. Oh. Oh, so, 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 it, so it was more 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 the five minute approach to it was was more of where you 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 went with it because I was trying to figure. I looked, I kept seeing your name. I'm like, what? What did he do this year? Did he sprinkle <laughs> special dust on it? Like 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 like. And I was happy because I was like, we fight because Game Changer finished 14. I'm a little worried about him. You know, normally he he comes up, and I think it's a combination. <laughs> see, this is what he messed up. He got this. He got this. See, we all have flaws. Like we all have this thing that will hurt us in a situation like this. He has he has a flaw, and this time it was a double flaw. So he has this this infatuation with BCU, even though Shaka's not there anymore. But he's still down with the BCU people. Then he has this Texas thing because now Shaka's in Texas. So he got that double whammy going. You know, and so he got hit double time, I think, on this one. I could be wrong. And uh, and so, you know, Game Changer surprised me because I was just like, you know, I'm thinking this this has got to be his tourney. This is a GM tourney. This is where Game Changer going to put. Even though he didn't watch a lot of college basketball, I was like, this is where he's going to be in his mix. And he was at 14 this year. And I might have to put him on the can't trust it list. You know, yeah, what you got to say about that, Marcus? Man, I get on the air and I hear this brother talking dirt on my name. <laughs> <laughs> I coach you. <laughs> Listen, man, I told you I didn't watch this year. I didn't watch a lot of college hoops this year. Um, and I didn't I didn't do anything that no one else did. Um you know, I my Final Four I think was a solid Final Four, and if you play the percentages, it was a Final Four that most people predicted. No, no one 
and and no one of our uh, cohort definitely saw Villanova being a national champion. Come on, and nobody saw that coming. No. Um, yeah, the one right. team that I did pick and got correct, I think everybody else was on most people's radar, which is Oklahoma. Um, I went off the board with North Carolina and chose Kentucky. I thought Kentucky had the backcourt um, to uh, advance further than they did. Um, and then Michigan State. I mean, I, I, honestly, if we started all over, I wouldn't. I probably would pick the same four teams again. Maybe um, looking at different, looking differently at because uh, I didn't trust North Carolina a whole lot going into this tournament, and they played well. They made shots. They were clicking at the right time. But I don't think this was a year where there wasn't a front runner. Um, and the one team that kind of people saw as equipped with all the usual prerequisite that checked all the boxes was Michigan State, and they faltered that right away. Um, and I think that left the door open for Syracuse to advance, um, Kansas and Villanova. I mean, that was a one and a two, so that wasn't – necessarily anything surprising. Um, you had a two in Oklahoma that made it, you know, uh, a one in uh, in North Carolina. And then Syracuse was the one that kind of shocked everybody. But I think, you know, I this this year's tournament, I don't think was uh, – it was – there were there were lots of upsets early, and those upsets involved some, some higher-profile teams. And that changed the complexion of, of how the tournament played out. Um you know, for the most part, man, I, I picked, I picked fairly well. But when you lose your champion so early, uh, it's hard to pick up points late, and that's where the big money is. That's where the big money points are: is having a couple Final Four teams. You get somebody in the championship game, and if you pick the champion, I mean, I've won, I've won brackets just off having the champion alone. I have, I've had that put me into the 80th percentile in points because I got the champ right. My bracket was due to that year, but I got the champ right, you know. So once you lose your champ, you're having a you have to really really score big as far as points go and picking everybody else right. And this year that was a really difficult task to do because it was such a a vanilla field. There wasn't a uh, there wasn't uh, a front runner. I don't know, Marcus. I don't know, man. I mean, Devon asked you what happened, and you started off giving <laughs> excuses. You know, like, like, you start off giving excuses, and then, and now you're giving us an analysis of the tournament. And this is all stuff that we knew last week. So at the right. end of the day, Devon, so what, you know, what, Devon what, what, what is you, he asking me about? What happened? Why are you questioning like, me? What, like, <laughs> you came in 14, so what's the problem? That, that was the question. I lost my chance. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, but I lost my champ. I lost my champ. I got like sixty six percent right, which is which isn't bad. You still failed I mean, the class, though. Good. You still failed. Sixty six ain't good. Sixty six percent in this world is pretty good. And that's a B. I still finished seventh. <laughs> you finished fourteenth. I had the champ too. I had Michigan State. I'm just trying to figure yeah. it out. On the teacher's grade report, we both on the same page. <laughs> We are not on the A or B page. We both on the A page of the great report. I just don't want you to become Jay Wright before Jay Wright became Jay Money Wright. That's all I'm trying hey, to figure out. Become Phil. You don't, you don't want to become me. Listen, I, the way Jay Wright team played, I'll be Jay Wright. 
if I gotta if I gotta it, eat it, it a couple years, I eat my bracket a couple years if I get to win it big. And Gabe Chase, I gotta, the, 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 the funny thing about it, so I asked Phil what he did differently. What he did differently was he only took five minutes, but he still picked the same kind of teams they just were right this year, right? <laughs> so I said, who who you pick? He, he, he picked the same kind of squads they just won this year. So I'm still not sure if I'm going to take him on probation. I'm still trying, I, I, I was like, well, did he pick Villanova? Did he, you know, what did he do? And it seemed like it was the same strategy. It was just shorter. He didn't spend three hours on it. He just spent five minutes, but it was the same kind of team that just came up, you know, sevens. So I'm just I'm, I'm I've got a question that for one. you all. I've got a question <laughs> for you all. And I've been, okay. I've been dying to ask this question for the past week. Uh-oh. Um, and FYI, shout out to the UConn women's team. Four straight years. Yes. That is amazing. Okay? Yes. Um, so, if a tree falls, so this is a two-part question, okay, and the first is rhetorical. If a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there, does it make noise? We don't know. Yes, no, we don't know. My follow-up question to that is, if you win back-to-back fantasy basketball championships, but nobody all season has said anything on the message boards uh, <laughs> about anything, about winning, about anything, does it still count? <laughs> the tree fall. The tree does make a noise. It's physics. It does make a noise, and you did win the championship. <laughs> and they both they both happen, and they both count. Yeah. No matter how you okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna call you I'm gonna call you the new Steve Kerr. <laughs> Cause you doing it. <laughs> I was I was just curious, fellas. I you know, I just wanna throw it out there. My man. <laughs> Did you hear he, he he asked the question, he's stunning in the question. That's what makes him brilliant. Like his question oh, yeah. allowed him to stunt while he while he asked the question. Oh. Right. Right. <laughs> Who can do that? Who can ask a question that allows them to stunt while they ask them the question? That's a that's a skill set. <laughs> I see you over there, PAC. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, game change. I'm about to move to the corner and spot up. So and let you do what you do. Okay. Well, then I'll take the ball. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start waving people around and, and moving moving things, um, getting us all set up. Point Giannis in the house. Um, so, you know, we're glad to be back. You listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSC, Renegade Radio. Again, shout out to the UConn Women's Basketball Program for a great, great run. Uh, shout out to Villanova. That was heck of a that was a heck of a game. Have you guys? I, I don't mean to step on. So, have you guys talked about the game? No, no. We no. we went to wait for you on this one. Okay, yeah. so I, what are you, what were you, the first, the, we're going to fast forward the first two games of the Final Four because I, I wasn't impressed. I mean, I, I started doing other stuff about 15 minutes into the first half or the first game out of Villanova-Oklahoma um, game and the U, UNC-Syracuse game just wasn't, neither one of those games was interesting. The championship game made up for all of it, though. Um, one of the, one of the best championship games. I'm I'm hesitant to call it the best. Um, I still think Georgetown Villanova. Just the way Villanova played that game and the uh, 
the situation they were going into as a true Cinderella, as an underdog going against the powerhouse, um, you know, the way they played that game, um, the efficiency of which they – I mean, it was just – it was dang near the perfect game. Um, but this game ranks right up there with some of the best. I mean, you know, I'm losing my mind in my living room as I watch Marcus Page double pump from three to tie the game. <laughs> And, you know, my wife is like, why didn't let him shoot that shot? I was like, baby, I let him shoot that shot over and over and over. And that's the yeah. one he made and he made. The one, he, the one, of, the one of those shots he's going to make, he made it when it counted. And, you know, God bless him. I mean, that's a shot where, as a coach, you just say, you know what, we did everything we could do on that. We had a dude go for a steal. You know, another guy came over and hustled over to challenge the shot, forced the guy to double clutch. He double clutches. And he just buried a shot. And all of that gets forgotten because they came down and they made a play. I mean, that was that was that was a fantastic finish, man, to a great game. And the finish was it wasn't just the finish that was excellent. The game was played at a high level. It was a very well played game. Um there was back and forth, both teams made runs, there were points where both teams were in control of the game. I was impressed. I was impressed by the coaches. Um, uh, Carolina could have done some things differently on, on that last. I mean, they could have picked up a little sooner, maybe put a little bit of pressure, um, not allow Archie Diakono to go to his right hand, maybe. <laughs> I keep him on the left side of the court. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a scramble situation, man. It's a scramble situation. And the one thing I will say from all of this is that we got to retire the Mike Jordan crying meme, please. Can we? Can we let that one go? <laughs> Please. I mean, that one was everywhere. Mercy. That one was everywhere. Oh, as my I told, goodness, please. As I told uh, D. Wills in the group chat, they should have never gave you fools Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> y'all should have, they should have never gave y'all no Photoshop. Man, man, oh, man. This is why we can't have yeah. nice names. <laughs> Man, well, I think I scared my daughter uh, on the page shot, and then the game, the two step, the one he said, the one step, two step. It was, it was, it was just, you know, and we needed it after the the semifinal games, but but I thought it was just two teams competing, you know, hard. I mean, those kids are playing hard, and and you know, one of the things that you you look at with Jay Rice team that they do everything right. Like, like Carolina has advantages in a lot of different places, and they just, you know, they're up on the ball, making it difficult to go over the top. They're doing all the little stuff. It looks like they're going to go down nine. They hit the shot at the end to, uh, to cut it to, what, five. And, you know, it's just like a heavyweight fight. And, you know, the, the, the best thing about it, so the shot goes in, and the camera goes to Jay, and Jay still scoop the scoop, the suit looks clean. He ain't really really reacting, and he walking towards Roy Williams, and Roy's a mess. I mean, the, everybody was emotionally spent, and uh, it couldn't have been a better ending to a game. I mean, both those kids like you know, the whole thing. Both teams play hard. That's true. Both these teams play hard, and it was good to see 
you know, uh, you know, this kind of senior laden upperclassmen team, you know, put it all together, um, even when guys like myself um doubt it that they could do it. You know, Jay Wright has a new Both team. teams play hard, my man. Yeah. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. God bless and good night. That's what we did today. Well, uh, I'm calling him Jay Money Wright. He looked like new money. Team played like new money, and he won like he had new money. I just loved the I loved his kids. I loved the way the Carolina kids competed. It was just I just I just enjoyed. It. I had I've never had so much fun watching the game. Yeah. And the best uh, part about it, I'll say this, is Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith clowning, and then the look. But that was that was man. that was the moment though, right? That was the that moment was the right there. Like that was it right there. And you know, I was watching the game with my wife, and she's just like, "Why are the Carolina guys crying? Like, like they were boohooing. I mean, it wasn't just like teary, right? It wasn't like man crying, right? Where you got that like strong one tear that comes down your face because you just like, mm, you know, Denzel and Glory. You know what I'm saying? They they was boohooing. I mean, they was like sobbing. And I'm like, just think about that. Like you just Tied the game up four seconds ago. <laughs> like, it wasn't even all good just a week ago. It was all good four seconds ago. <laughs> like, we was going to OT. We had another five minutes to play this thing out. And now all of a sudden, like, it's all – now now they puffy. You know what I'm saying? They puffy at the end of the biggie track. What am I going to do now, huh? It's all that stuff. <laughs> what am I going to do now, huh? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, you're right, man. That roller coaster – but everybody got to ride that with them, and that's what makes those games yeah. so enjoyable. Man. That's what makes it so fun is that everybody gets to ride that roller coaster um, with the with the teams and with the coaches. Uh, PhD, what were your thoughts on the championship game? Well, I I want to echo the final four. The final four games suck. Um, the the semifinal games, and I text you guys pretty much said that I rewatched the 1989 University of Michigan Wolverines versus Illinois Final Four game in 1989 with Glenn Rice and Kendall Gill and the whole crew. Um, yeah, so that was me with the semifinal games on Saturday. The game on Monday was great. Every, like, I don't have much to add other than what you all have already said. Um, it was just it was a great Final Four game, and to me it made up for the whole tournament. Yeah, and there, and there were moments, and, you know, and you know, you mentioned D. Wills, you mentioned Roy Williams being sick on the sideline, and I don't know if you heard his press conference after the uh, final, the semifinal victory, but Roy was kind of stunting on the press a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind, of, he, he pulled the PhD, man. He was at the podium, like you know, people been, you know, people been, uh, you reporters, you know, you cover this, you know, from you know, November to March, and then you go cover baseball, and then you go cover football. Well, I'm thinking about this all the time. So to question my decisions, who are you? You know, he basically came at the press like, y'all been hating on me all year, talking all this stuff, and you see where we at. You know what I mean? And so I think, you know, Roy was kind of thinking he had this one. I think he was kind of feeling it like, yo, I think we got this. Let's go ahead and get that plaque signed up, man. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get get another one put up on the wall. And 
uh, you know, it didn't quite go that way. Um, but Dag, Dag was a fun game, man. I can't, I can't even front on it. It was a fun game to watch. I, I enjoyed riding that roller coaster, man. So, you know, I, and the tournament itself, overall, if I had to give it a grade, I give this year's tournament um, entertainment value. Um, the first two weekends, you know, this year, I would say I would give it an A. Um, second weekend, the Sweet 16 round, there were some good games, some comebacks. I would give that round a B plus. The semifinal games of the Final Four, I'm going with a D. And that championship game was an A. I mean, that was an A effort right there. That was that was highly entertaining. And, now, and you know, so overall, you know, we're probably looking at a B-plus score, you know, a high B. Um, the D semifinal games kind of brings it down a little bit. But, you know, the A in the first weekend, the A in the championship game, and a, a B-plus in the 316, I think it was a solid tournament overall. If you guys had to give it a grade, what would you give it, P.A. Uh, D. Wills? I would give it uh I, I would give it uh the same thing. I'd give it like an A for the final. Okay. And P A Z, what'd you give it? I I give the whole tournament an A because to me, uh last impressions are the most important impressions. Hmm. Dropping philosophy on us right there. I feel you. I feel you. They're going to have to come out with an RG quote book. <laughs> Most important impression. Yeah, for the coffee table. Put that on the coffee table. Quote book right there. All right, so you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and it is a great time of the year because you transition from the NCAA tournament, which is, as far as basketball goes, probably the uh, most exciting sports spectacle that we have in the sport of basketball. And then you transition right into the uh, beginning of the NBA playoffs. So we're going to talk some NBA when we return after this quick break. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSU Renegade Radio, brought to you by KNN Air Filters. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. The People's Podcast is in full effect. Uh, I'm your host, Marcus Game Changer, 130, illustrious three-man booth. We're about to talk some NBA hoops. 
Um, first, man, oh man, these are old timers, man. <laughs> it's making me mad. I, I, I and I, I understand, but it's hard to see guys I watch play become those dudes. <laughs> and so, Scottie Pippen came out with some comments and predictable comments, right? He came out in short during the interview. He said the Chicago Bulls from 95, 1996 would sweep the Golden State Warriors. He would guard Steph, lock him down. Um, those were general gist of his comments. Now, the comments in themselves, I don't expect anything else from anybody who was ever that good at anything, right? Scotty was an all-time great. He should think that his team was go would beat this team. Like, this, what else would he say? Like, like you know, but it does beg the question: um, Who would win? Uh, D. Wills, you go ahead and don't talk about what we did this in the nineties. Don't do it. I will be well, back I, I, along. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna do my thing. <laughs> well, first of all, I think you'll be surprised my answer. First of all, Scotty, how come Scotty always saying something? Like, it's like every year Scotty says something. He says something about him and Mike. So there's, there's an issue about Scotty Pippen, right, which is a different issue. Like, it seems like every year there's something that he says that garnishes a reaction. So that's one thing that's problematic about it. The other thing, I think Steph's going to start saying, keep your name out of my mouth. Or keep your, my name out your mouth, right? Like, why? you know, Steph ain't said nothing to anybody. Like, Steph ain't never been talking. So, so there's a couple of just subtle things. You know how I feel about the 90s basketball. We debate this all the time. I, I think the Bulls would win, but I, I don't think they're going to just sweep these guys. That part, I think people get a little crazy and out the loop on it. You know, I think they'll be tough games. I think they'll come down to some fourth-quarter stuff. Um, I think that the Bulls – because of the lineups they could play, they could play a lot of lineups like like the the lineup of death or whatever that Golden State has. I think the Bulls have their own lineup like that, um, and so I think that would happen. But I don't think I don't think it's a sweep. You know, I'm thinking it's a a, a four two series. Um, you know, uh, but I think every game is is highly contested and fought to the end. Okay, so here that that's interesting. Um, because I think the pivot point in, in the, when you look at the matchups, and we just obviously this can only be played on paper. The pivot point is your boy from Saginaw, Sag Nasty. All right, and that's the pivot point. That's the dude that to me that's the dude that determines the series, right? Yeah. Him versus Rodman. That's the tipping point. So that, you know, I think I think that that's that's an interesting matchup right there. When you think about Draymond Green versus Dennis Rodman, um, PhD, how you handicap that matchup? Mm, that is like one of those all-time great matchups. Um, man, honestly, I'd give the edge to Rodman, not because uh, I mean they're both physically gifted guys, but Rodman can get in people's head, man. And yeah, crazy factor. If he, I mean, Carl Malone, one of the most locked in, focused cats of his era, 
Jordan, um, Robin was able to get in that cat's head, man. And to backstep a little bit to Scotty, shut up, Scotty. I mean, Scotty, you are probably my <laughs> like you are probably my favorite player of all time, really. But shut up, man, because y'all did not sweep. Y'all won six championships. Y'all did not sweep a team once, but yet you are going to sweep one of the best teams ever. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. I mean, Utah took y'all to six games. You know, <laughs> the, 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 worst, the worst L.A. Laker team in ten years took you all to five or six games. Come on, man. You know, this is uh, Those are great points. <laughs> Those are great points. Yeah, it's just not true, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it just brings, like, Scotty, like, okay, I know you're going to say that, but it's not true. Like, you didn't even sweep the regular teams back. <laughs> like, you didn't sweep the people you was playing against then. <laughs> I feel you. Those are excellent points, man. Those are excellent points. So, that begs the question, right? Golden State doesn't have to play the 95-96 Chicago Bulls. They do have to deal with the 2015-2016 San Antonio Spurs, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Los Angeles Clippers, potentially the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I don't know who else is going to come. I, I'm not – I I got nobody else coming out of the <laughs> but the Cavs. Um, so, with that said, how do you beat this team? You know, they've lost a couple of games recently. Boston ended their home winning streak um, a couple of nights ago. Last night – the young Minnesota Timberwolves came in to Oracle and beat them in overtime. So, you know, right now Golden State is sitting at having to win the next four games just to uh, to beat the record. Um, do you think a blueprint has been laid of how to beat the Golden State Warriors, PhD? Uh, um, I think they're beatable, man. Last year they were beatable. They were the best team in the league in terms of getting to the playoffs, but the Cavaliers on crutches pushed them to six, to six games, man. To me, it comes down to uh, just overall – I don't want to sound like all the naysayers last year, but they are a jump shooting team. And and they can get cold, man. I mean, yesterday they lost to the Timberwolves, which every team in the NBA is a professional team. I mean, clearly that's stating the obvious, but because of that, you can lose to anybody on any given night over the course of a 82-game season. But yesterday – Seth and Clay shot eight for twenty-five from three-point range. I mean, that's not horrible. That's a little bit less than a third, but that's a lot of shots, man. And when you look at the rest of the team, you know they shot under under forty percent. So, to me, that's the formula. Now, I won't get into the X and O's. I'll save that time for you and Devon, like how to match up. That's just not my thing. But I think overall, over the course of seven games, they're going to give you one or two games that they're going to be out of it because they're going to, you know, just just not shoot that well. And we saw that happen last year. And, I mean, I'll go out and say it right now. I still like the Cavaliers this year to beat the Warriors. Okay. 
All right. You're not biased, though. You know what I'm saying? I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> what is I am, man. You own that. You own that. You own that, man. You know, you totally own your bias. They culture. are who we thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing new coming out. So, uh, now, you know, you said you leave the X's and O's up to me and Devon. Me and Devon got into a, a bit of a, a, a debate. <laughs> we, so were shots at, we, were so, we, we were firing shots in the air at each other. <laughs> 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 over over a uh, text over uh just this warrior team and how do you beat this warrior team? Devon, what's your yeah, hypothesis on how you beat the war? <laughs> Woo. Oh my goodness. Um well first of all I want to say something about the Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins. I mean, if you're if you're Minnesota fan should be excited. You know, these guys compete. And what was so impressive about last night was, did you see Carl Anthony Towns switch on the Curry? I mean, this guy can do so much, and that's part of it. You don't have too many bigs who can do what he can do. Like, if you watch last night, there were key possessions where he found himself switching on to Curry, and he just can move his feet. He can close out. He's got he's – got, he, not, it's not just about him being athletic. He's, he knows how to play the game. Um, and you can tell those kids are just coachable. So, I mean, they, they played well. I mean, they have a bright future. Um, and so I, I'll say that. I think there is a blueprint, but I think part of the problem here, there's two things I see with Golden State. The record is an issue for them. Part of it and how they played this year. So I think everybody's talking about fatigue, but I think part of fatigue is they sit out so many fourth quarters. I'm not saying that they're not in shape, but I think part of it is is that they're they're not competing every game at a. Their 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 gift is that they get up on teams and they know how to put them away. That's also their curse in terms of being in that kind of competitive moment day in and day out. And so you have all these fourth quarters where Steph is sitting out. And so what I what I see is that I see this push for the record. I see them look a little bit of fatigue. I think last night, you know, those were just tired shots. But you also can see how not only just switching but knowing how to switch, and I think this is where we were debating, is that, you know, when you watch the way that, you know, Kyle Anthony Towns plays in that switch and how he, he, he takes away space, you know, some of these bigs will – come off, and they still give Steph space. But he, he takes away that airspace. And so I think there are only certain teams that can do that and have the matchup. And I think that's San Antonio. I think Cleveland, if they use certain lineups. Um, I think um, the Clippers, if they use certain lineups. But I, I think, you know, even in the, in the playoffs, there are probably about two or three teams. I, I even think Oklahoma City would struggle because I don't know if they have the personnel necessary where they switch and they can get that. I mean, I think they can play some some lineups that would do that. They definitely can compete with them on the scoring thing, but I, I think they're defensively a couple of teams who can who can do it. Um, so I, I don't know what we learned about. It. I, I know Popovich has enough information. That's what makes it dangerous because he's watched a couple of these things. That it'll be interesting to see what he does with what he sees. 
Yeah, Pop definitely uh, Pop definitely has information. Like, Pop is sitting on some stuff, I can tell. Um, you mentioned the pursuit of, of uh, 73 and the fatigue, and PhD, you had an opinion about the whole fatigue factor. What are your thoughts on this idea that the Warriors are going to get tired? Well, I think it's convenient. I think it's very convenient. You know, they, they've struggled a little bit down the stretch here, relatively speaking. They've lost two games and what, like out of five, something like that, or six. And I think it's convenient to say, oh, they're pressing too much um, to get this record, and they look tired, they look fatigued. And, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, this whole concept of resting guys towards the end of the season, it just wasn't there. It wasn't. You know, like you look at the season where the Bulls won 72 games. In the 82nd game of the season, Michael Jordan played 41 minutes. Scottie Pippen played 39 minutes. Dennis Rodman played 43 minutes. And they were playing against a team that wasn't even going to make the playoffs. But the thought then, the philosophy back then was, hey, we need to ramp it up. They hadn't had many competitive games the last two or three games of the season. So Phil said, you know, I want to play these guys more minutes. I really don't care about rest. Playoffs come, they're going to be playing every other day. The first two rounds, they actually play like, like they'll have two days off for a couple of games. So, like, in between games. So, the and that was cutting edge. That was a big philosophy back then. So, now, this whole idea of what Popovich is doing, just like in the NFL, man, Belichick does something, and we think that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread because Bill Belichick's doing it. Popovich, we give him credit that uh, to a smaller degree. He's resting his guys, not caring as much down the stretch. It's more important to have your guys fresh in the playoffs than the last week or two of the season. I don't buy that, man. It may work, it may not, but now we're giving all this criticism to the to the Warriors. If they hadn't lost these games, we wouldn't be talking about rest. And guess what? They'd be looking the same way. But it's just really convenient, and we have biases to, like, you know, attribute it to something because we have to attribute it to something. It just can't be that they lost. You play to so, win the game. I, I can say we do have evidence even back then that you, your shot is short because you're tired. I, I don't disagree with you on being able to play through it, but I think the nature of fatigue today is different even Jordan. It's the 24-hour mental social media fatigue. In the fishbowl, much more than you were now back then. So the 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 number of people contributing – what you got to respond to, I think, is part of the fatigue. But I, I'm with you. I, I, I would say it's, it's like the baseball thing. I think the pitch count is sometimes I think that's a problem. You know, I'm, I'm big on, like, you know, I, I love when I think it, I don't know if it was, like, uh, um, uh, Atlanta or whatever, like, you know, they would pitch. They would throw. They weren't worried about pitch counts. And so I think it's that same argument. Um, about it, but I I do think the nature of their run, with the the kind of attention on this run versus what was on it, even with the Bulls, is at a as, is at multiple different levels. Like the media scrutiny, you didn't have bloggers, you didn't have the whole. So I think there's a whole bunch about that that's more mental than it is physical fatigue around how you have to handle all that. 
I think that's a little bit different now than it was then. But I think part of the problem is because they they played. If you look at the number of games they won, how many of them have actually been competitive? So they spend a lot of fourth quarters not competing, and sometimes that can come back to bite you. Whereas if you watch San Antonio, they blow a lot of people out, but they, you know, because of their age and everything, <laughs> you know, they're sometimes playing in the fourth quarter a little bit more competitively longer and things like that. And Popovich is doing it for the right reasons. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think when I look at this, I'm like some of these teams who've got kids, most of their team is like under 30 or 32. I'm like, well, what, who y'all rested? So I agree with you on that. But I think part of the Golden State's problem is the, 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 the uh, fishbowl, and the heat on that is much different than when the seventy-two when the Bulls won seventy-two games. I mean, there's just so many more eyes on this. Yeah, I, I think I think both of you are on to something. I think the idea of rest is overblown. I think the idea of the pursuit of seventy-three somehow draining them or distracting them—that's garbage. All right, to me, that I, I mean, whether it's seventy-three wins or sixty-three wins, you know. I have to I have to go back to my boy Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. Right? You're trying to win them all, actually. You know what I mean? Like there's not a game where you go out and say we're just going to lose this one. So, the idea that they're quote unquote going for the record, they're trying to win every game, which is what you should be doing anyway. I don't know a coach that frames it up any other way. I don't know how you do that. Um like okay, we're going to kind of play this one and see how it goes. Like who says that coming out of a timeout? <laughs> You know what I mean? Who says that coming out of the pregame huddle after the after the after the starting five? Who says that, fellas? We're gonna play this one. Um, we're not gonna overextend ourselves. Let's just see how this goes. Nobody says that. You know what I mean? Nobody says that coming out of the pregame huddle. You play to win the game. So if you're gonna show up and play, the only way you cannot play to win the game is by not showing up. And as long as they're showing up, they're pursuing seventy-three because you got to win them, right? And so, in, in the fatigue piece, as you pointed out, D. Will, they, these boys have set a lot of fourth quarters, right? They should be fine. And they're not – like, Pop started resting people because his squad was old. <laughs> he had old players. He didn't do that because he was on the no strategy. Duncan was 75. <laughs> he needed a day off. Not because Pop was, like, some genius, like, I'm going to preserve my guys and – we're trying to get rid. No, if he didn't, Duncan was going to fall apart. His knee was going to fall off mid-game. <laughs> like, you know, Zenobi out there looking like Balky Bartakamoose. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, these guys are old. You know, Tony Parker speaking that old French now. You know, he ain't pretty Tony no more. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody trying to get it. Tony. He's not on the front of people no more. He needs to rest. I he on he on the uh, AARP. He on AARP now. He the cover boy for that magazine. A whole different demographic. He need a break. I he need a third quarter nap. <laughs> Pop wasn't trying to be no genius. Pop was just dealing with older players and trying to figure out how do I be successful with guys who are old as dirt. That's all that was, and now you got teams with twenty-three-year-olds sitting. This twenty-three-year-old don't need no rest. He was up till two thirty in the morning last night, <laughs> right? Snapchatting and 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 face Facebooking and on MySpace and all that stuff. You know, <laughs> on Black Planet. 
you, you didn't say my, you didn't say my face. You said black flag. Wow. Liking pictures on college clubs. Wow. Oh man. So these cats don't need no rest, man. It's as 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 that's one part of the the this is how we did it in the nineties argument that I think is completely valid. Like this whole idea that guys and it's a football thing, right? This is one of those things that you brought and that's a great point you made, T A D. You brought that up. It's another one of these things that other sports are kind of, because we love football, we kind of see football teams do this. And in football, it makes sense because you're one play away every snap. And so if you've got some stuff wrapped up and some stuff in the books, you know, pulling guys makes sense because the risk-reward is just, is just not, there, it's not equal, right? There's way more risk than reward in those situations. In basketball, I think it's different. Um, it's a rhythm game. Football is a rhythm game as well, and players get into a rhythm. But basketball is one of those things. Execution on every single play, once you get out of that rhythm, it's hard to get back into it. It's hard to, you know, turn it down, dial it back, and ramp it back up, especially when you're not in a one-game setting. So you're in a seven-game setting, and if you're trying to ramp it back up, you might lose two or three games in a series trying to get back what you lost, you know, whatever mojo you lost from dialing it down. So I'm not a fan of that strategy. I think you, you play to win every game. Um, you don't concede anything, and you go out there and you play hard. Uh, this idea that, you know, again, who breaks the huddle? Like, yeah, give it. let's try, but not try too hard. We want anybody getting hurt. Nobody says that. It just doesn't happen. Like, that's not a frame of mind that anybody's going into these games with. And if you're coaching that way, you deserve to be fired. And if you're playing that way, you're probably going to get hurt. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. Um, I want to move on, though, because we have some other things that we're going to get into as we talk about the NBA. Um, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is currently having a – again, if not for Steph Curry losing his mind um, this year, uh, we're talking about Russell Westbrook probably – as the best player in the world right now. Um, and that's not hyperbole at all. Um, I think that's a legitimate conversation that we could be having. He's having one of the best seasons um, statistically. I mean, Buzz averaging 22, 23 points a game, almost eight rebounds a night, and over 10 assists. Um, and so there was an article posted on ESPN Magazine um, comparing this season to Big O's triple-double season. Um, and some of the things that the article outlined is some of the things that we brought up here on this show before about basketball in the early 60s, nine-team league. Um, the game was played at a basically two passes and a shot was going up pace. So you had these ridiculous – I mean, you had Wilt scoring 100 points. You had Bill Russell having 51 <laughs> rebounds in a game. You know, you had – Oscar Robertson averaging a triple-double over the course of of a season. When you look at the pace at which the game was played at that time, there were – teams were averaging 120. The league average was 125 possessions. That's the league average. So that means there are teams that are playing at a faster pace and there are teams that are playing at a slower pace, and that's the middle. So, you know, you're talking about a league that's playing at 125 possessions per game, per team, 
And you're looking at nowadays pace, you're looking at about 90 possessions per team. You know, so you're talking about 30 to 35 extra possessions. And so the article just breaks down. If Russ is playing in that era, he's easily averaging a triple-double. Um, so the question I ask you guys is Russell Westbrook, is what he's doing this season, even though it's not a triple-double, is it better than the Big O's triple-double season? Ph.D. Oh, man. Oh, Marcus. Marcus. Oh, man. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I can't say it. I can't say that Russell Westbrook's season is better than the Big O's. I mean, this cat had three or four seasons where he averaged – you know, 30 points, 12 assists, and 9.9 rebounds. I mean, he had more than just that one triple-double season. And But all that logic makes sense that's in that article, but I just – I can't do it. I can't do it until <laughs> – like, damn no like until, <laughs> Right. I'm not going to let something like logic. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to let something like logic mess up my argument. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, what does Rock say? Um, I yeah, don't like I, have facts to back this up. Yeah, even when you do, I can't do it. I can't do it. Now, if if Russell averaged a triple-double, and, and all the logic makes sense why he would get another two-rebound game. It really does. It does make sense. Yeah, I just can't do it. <laughs> all right, you can Hey, you know what? You being honest about it, you ain't trying to convolute and come up with no no straw man arguments and nothing like that. I can be, I can take that. I can live yeah. with that. You just, I can't do it. I can't. I'm not. I'm not gonna say that. So with that. So Marcus. So next year when you struggle in March Madness, that's how you got to come at it. You know what? I just didn't get it. <laughs> you know me, man. I can't do that, man. I'm gonna present an argument. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna take some, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna present my data and, and, and I'm gonna put my data up for review. <laughs> okay, all right. So, oh man, D. Will, what's your verdict on on Russell Westbrook season compared to Big O's triple double season? I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. I would say this, man, in reaction to what you just said about yourself, as w, uh, uh, George W. Bush said, those are fuzzy numbers. That's fuzzy math. Uh, I don't know what you're coming up with, but I, I would say this is hard. I, w- I would say yes. And I know this is going to – I know Game Changers are like, damn, Devon said yes. I'm going to say yes. Russell Westbrook, when I watch him, I've never seen him. It's been a while since I've seen anybody play like him, man. I mean, think about it. He's kind of like he plays with the kind of intensity and kind of just energy of AI, but it's, 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 it impacts more people. You know, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, everything on the court was run for AI, right? But Russell plays with that same kind of like that pace and – I mean, he plays with such an intensity, but to be putting these numbers up at this time, 
with the level of athletes he's doing it with. What you know, it's just I've been saying it, man. I've been watching him. I mean, I would, and I love Steph is having a great season. But when you think about that OKC team and what what, what Russ is doing, I mean, you you you, you got to look at the MVP vote for him, man. I mean, when I, I saw this, I saw this, you know, um, I saw this story today, and it's one of the few times because you know, man, I, 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 analytics are all about context, and I do got a line of de- demarcation, you know, that line where kind of like pre seventy eight, you know, I start to there's some things I got to look at, um, particularly in the sixties. So I do agree with that, but I would say. This is this is better. I mean, if there's one player playing at that kind of level, it's Russell Westbrook. And you know, normally I wouldn't say that, and I feel like Phil T because you know the history. But this guy, you know, we look back on who he is. I think we're gonna be talking about him in a totally different way. I don't think we appreciate him enough. Be truthful. Yeah, I think I think at some point we may have to revisit our top fifty list because I think there are some guys who have, you know, obviously LeBron probably has broken in. If he wasn't already in your top five, he's probably broken into your top five. Um, and then there are guys like KD and Russell Westbrook um, and Steph who and Chris Paul, and I don't know where he was at on people's list before, but guys of that nature who have matured and have have kind of had enough consecutive years to start yeah. to be um, put in that top 50 um, players of all time kind of conversation. And this is, this is Russ. Russ's signature season, right? We talked about this with Steph Curry. Guys yeah. all have those signature years where it's like that's as good that's his that's his best, right? His good is that good. Like that's what he that's his good. Like it's really, really good. And this is Russ's like, yo, when Russ was good, that's what it looked like. It looked like twenty three, eight and ten for a whole season. You know what I mean? And so when people and, and talk about Russell Westbrook, go ahead. I want to say this. Now think about it. When we, you know, we we've talked a lot about Russell Westbrook. Like we kind of, our show has kind of grown up with him, right? Think about that. And think about the criticisms we all kind of had about his game and where they need to go in terms of OK City. This season is one of them. You know, he looked at y'all like what? You know, like when you are, when you are averaging, you doing that, you're making your teammates better, right? You can't make an argument about he ain't making his teammates better, right? Um. Everything we ask him to do, he's doing. And I think a lot of this this kind of growth he's having had a lot to do with how he had to change his game once KD got hurt, right? There's things he had to just take over and do that he couldn't count on KD being there for doing that I think were critical to him getting to this point right now. But he's he's doing – he's answered a lot of the questions I think most people have had about his game in this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's interesting that you take you take this season by Russell over Big O's triple double. Phil T, you're taking the Big O, um, just cause, just cause, <laughs> just cause you can. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to move on to number three on our list of uh, things we got to talk about. And man, oh man, I've been waiting to talk to y'all about this. I just, I just can't, man. D'Angelo Russell, boy, what was you thinking? <laughs> Man, I listened to Bamani Jones go nuts on this, man. Bamani, <laughs> like the first half hour of his show, just eating 
eating D'Angelo Russell's lunch in front of him. <laughs> just, just get after this kid, man. And, you know, I, I, I have my wife listening to it. She's dying laughing. We both in tears. And it's just one of those situations where this whole situation caused me to reflect as a 35-year-old man. I couldn't imagine having to share my workplace with 19-year-olds. <laughs> like, yes. They just do things that it's like, dog, why is, why is, why is you doing it? Why did you do that? Like, what were you thinking? Like, I'm not one of your little, as, as my mom said to me a thousand times, I ain't one of your little friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and that's, that's the conversation Nick Young should have had with, like, dog, what are you doing? We is not in the frat house. We are not in your, your efficiency apartment back in Columbus. Why are you recording me? I'm a grown man. <laughs> like, why are you recording me on some sneak? Like, this is not funny. It's not a joke. I don't know if you Snapchatted it or Facebooked it or, or you know what I'm saying, where, where you put that out at, you, you meerkatting me or, or whatever you think you're doing. I ain't on that. <laughs> like, so, I, you know, I equate this, like, you know, I'm at work and, you know, night, I got to work with, you know, my 19-year-old daughter. And she's in the back of the meeting Snapchatting the presenter. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you're doing a Snapchat in the middle. You're taking selfies in the middle of a presentation. That's what it's like to work with 19-year-olds. And the NBA is one of the only workplaces where you consistently have <laughs> to work with 19- and 20-year-olds. It's just like, what is you doing, son? Like, what is you doing, dog? Like, why? And so when I look at this whole D'Angelo Russell situation, I'm just like, see, that's what happens when you have to work with 19-year-olds. Like, do dumb things, and they have no clue as to why they were even doing that. PAG, what were your thoughts when you first got wind of this whole fiasco? <laughs> I can't talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't talk about this. It makes me too upset. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> this dude is really mad. <laughs> why are you so upset, though? Five years. I've never said this. Yeah. I can't talk about it, man. It's it just, all right, I'll try, but at some point, if I just stop, just know that I'm, I'm we'll over here. We'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> okay. If you got to stop, just stop and we'll move on. Okay. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't do it, man. Yeah, I can't do it. All right, all right, D. Will. <laughs> Oh Lord, have mercy! To me, what were your thoughts? The the funniest part about this was when when they they asked Byron Scott, and he did what I call the Drago line, because they're like, "Are you gonna throw him a lifeline?" Basically, he's trying to see. You know, he's like, he was like Drago, like if he dies, he dies. (laughs) He's like, he's gonna let the Sweet with one eye open. <laughs> I, I mean, 
I mean, Byron was as cold as can be. No compassion. Man, the thing about it, so the press conference cracked me up because his response, it was it was crazy because it was kind of brilliant. In a way, he, he was like, he didn't say what, you know, he would say, he didn't go with the old, you know, I was, I was hacked thing. He was like, I don't know how it got out there, but I'm accepting responsibility. <laughs> Like, you know what, you know, it's a messed up situation. I just need to get my life. Like, Nick was like, you know what, man, I just need to get my life together. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right with Byron Scott. You're right, D. Will. Byron Scott had that, like, you know what, he's about to get some playground justice. He's like, I'm going to let him get playground justice. I'm going to let this play out. You know what I mean? Because D'Angelo Russell is that little cousin that little that little cousin that come over and he played too much, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he played too much, and everybody in the Lakers locker room was like, "See, that's what you get." <laughs> like he was playing around, and he wound up getting punched in the chest, and now he on the floor crying. It was like, "See, that's what you get. You play too much, <laughs> right?" We didn't all, all get right. that to a little cousin, a little nephew, or somebody. Like, see, you play too much. I told you to stop playing, and that's how. That's how. Byron Russell was coming at it. Byron Russell was the teacher in the classroom, and the class clown, he got hemmed up in the corner, and somebody fired on him. <laughs> and the teacher's just like, I'm going to let that happen. <laughs> I'm just Here's the moment. I'm just let that Here's the moment that got me heated. Here's the moment that got me heated, man, was when D'Angelo was giving his interview where he, you know, he met with the press for the first time. And he said, you know, he was asked, have you apologized? And he says something along the lines of, yes, I've apologized, but, you know, I don't know if it's been accepted or not. Man, I I just turned off the TV and walked away. (laughs) 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 You know, and and then eventually, you know, he he was asked again. He said the same thing, and he pretty much said, well, you know, and I don't blame him. He hasn't accepted it yet, you know, my apology, but I, I just, oh, 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 my goodness. I, man, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't talk about this. And I hear you, but I hear you, though. Like, I hear you, like, dude, I'm, I'm you just, like, you just destroyed my marriage, dog. Like, ha-ha, not funny. <laughs> like, that, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, they, you, if you're Nick Young, one, as Bamani Jones said, I don't know how he got out the locker room with that phone. Like, nah, we finna wrestle. Like, we finna fight, dog. Like, one of us is not coming out alive if that video is not de- deleted. Like, you gonna have to kill me, or I'm gonna have to kill you. But that's what's gonna happen right now. Man, like, man, I'll tell you what, the funniest one was Shannon Sharp talking about it on Stephen A. Smith and. That was hilarious. Cause you could you think about the stuff that Shannon would say. Shannon was like, "Look, I'm gonna fight oh. him every time I see him." Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was like, "Oh, Shannon Sharp, gonna, okay." Yeah, Shannon Sharp on uh, he was on uh, Stephen A. Smith. He's like, 
we would fight every time we see each other. It would be as <laughs> happy we don't fight. We had a lot we don't fight. Either they gonna trade me or they gonna release him. One of us has got to go. But every time I see him, whether it's a locker room, the training room, we gonna fight. It ain't you know because because here's the deal though. We fight. And, and here's why I understand that 100 percent full grown adult male. Married with children and a mortgage, I fully understand where Shannon Sharp is coming from with that. And this is why. I never want to argue with my wife about something that somebody else did, <laughs> right? Yeah. So basically, you just <laughs> caused an argument for me because you want to play. I don't have time for those types of things. <laughs> So we gonna we it, it's gonna be a problem between me and you because if I'm arguing with some stuff, I'm arguing about some stuff. It better be some stuff that's relevant, that matters. Something I did, something I at least had some sort of a part in, something that I could at least be framed for. You did this. <laughs> you did this. You made this happen. So you know, man, yeah. Wait, and so if you're the Lakers, you just gotta hope this goes away because you don't. Yeah, all the trade—that's that's just ridiculous. You're not gonna trade him. You're not gonna trade him. You can't trade him. One, he's kind of good. He's got—he's got a future ahead of him. Um, but you can't trade him. You just can't. That's just from a business perspective, you can't trade him. Now, you know, you, you gotta hope this goes away, and that people don't hold this against him. For the rest of his career, like he's got, he's got, he's got to step up his play and make people forget about this. Otherwise, he's gonna be the dude that takes his teammate for forever. Um, but uh, this is, this, this is again. This was I needed this because I needed, I needed a laugh from sports, man. I needed something to laugh about. Yeah. And you know, to all the folks out there that's making that tried to say, well, nobody's talking about Iggy Azalea. I don't give a care. About Nick and Iggy's relationship, that's between Nick and Iggy. Like I, I ain't one. I'm not surprised. Two, I'm not surprised. Three, I don't know why she's surprised. <laughs> Four, I don't care. <laughs> right? Like that's the gamut of emotion I went through when I think about how does Iggy Azalea feel. Like, um, you, that's what I mean. What was she living under a rock? She thinks she was special. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah. you think you was special? <laughs> like this is the NBA. Like and it's LA and it's just I mean, hey. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised about they still wind up getting married, man. That's that's how I feel about it. I wouldn't be surprised they still get married. They probably are. But you know, I think probably and part of it is is Really, giving really the focus on how important chemistry is to winning, and chemistry right. is is fed by the camaraderie in that sacred space. Like it's that that is the space where you can get away from everything. You know, one of the things we used to tell kids when we coach in, in, uh, in game change. I'm sure you do this. You know, particularly young folks, you got to say, look, whatever's having that relationship, whatever that is, for these two hours on the court, you can't do nothing about it. Like, like when you're here, leave it at the door because you got to be focused on it because you can't do anything about it, and and you use that space to keep yourself in the moment. And so, 
you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch of issues around what he was doing or whatever, but it's really about if you're going to build a foundation for a winning team, how do you have a space where, you know, it's the same thing about the young the kid being – in the uh, in the dugout and everything else, how do you have a space where you have the ability to build continuity? And a lot of that's a crazy environment. It's, it's pranks. It's a whole bunch of other stuff. But part a lot of that is about building a spirit and a continuity and a chemistry that then shows up on the court. You can tell those teams that enjoy being. That's one thing about Golden State. You can tell that's a team that loves being around each other, right? It's not just you know Cleveland. You, you're still trying to figure out whether they like being around each other, but you can tell Golden State. You look at San Antonio, there's something about their environment. And that's not just about coaching. It's how they handle their locker room. And what you don't think Cleveland like being around each other? Play for each other. Huh? You don't think Cleveland like being around each other? I, I, ain't you I, seen LeBron's, ain't you seen LeBron's Instagram? All them group photos, they like each other. <laughs> as long as everybody's in the photo. You know, they, you know, stay that's, pos- that's, that's, they stay posing. <laughs> Like, come on, man. Just say what you feel, Brian. 
Like, why I gotta, why I gotta guess <laughs> what this is about? Like, he tweets this stuff, and I'm like, I just, I, I just slap my forehead. And I'm like, why, why? <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, it's like one of those conversations, man, where your significant other is like, we need to talk. Next <laughs> Why you say that ankle be showing? <laughs> you see the pants, man. You see these young yeah, boys. Man. You know, yeah. the ankles be all out, cold, frigid. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't winter time. Like, dog, come on, man. Put it, put it, put a, put a, put a, 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 a anklet on the side. Put something on that, man. As my grandmother used to say, you're going to catch the pneumonia. Right, <laughs> your ankles all out, and man, you know when I was a kid, my grandmother used to say that so much. I was wondering what happened to the old monia. I didn't want to catch the new monia. Right, <laughs> I thought it was two words, man. <laughs> I was like, well, is that worse than the old monia? Because I don't want to catch that either. I definitely don't want to get the new monia though. I don't want to get the old monia either. Man, so what's going on in in, in C Town, PhD? Oh, there was a question there. Okay, um, <laughs> amongst the jokes, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm with you. Some of the stuff LeBron's been doing, man. I mean, I'm the biggest LeBron apologist out there, but some of the stuff is just like, man, just just play. But at the end of the day, he is still the most dominant presence and the most dominant player um, in the league, in my opinion. And when you have that, you always have an opportunity to win. And I I do think that they're going to have a hard time coming out the heat because, you know, I've, I've watched them play probably 10 times this year in person and probably another 20, 30 times on TV. And... Um, for this to be the second full season they're playing together, there are still times where Kevin Love and Kyrie, like when all three of them are playing together with LeBron, there's still times, it's not as bad as it was towards the beginning of last season, but there's still times where you feel like, wait a minute, when's the last time Kevin Love has caught the ball in the flow of the offense? Uh, not offensive rebound, not LeBron, you know, penetrating and kicking it out uh, because Love is going to get as many of those opportunities as Shannon Fry will get or J.R. Smith will get or Shumpert will get or, uh, you know, Delhi will get. My issue is that they need to create space in the offense for Kevin Love. And they're starting to integrate him more, and it certainly looks a lot better than it did last year, but there are still stretches where they struggle there. And that's what's really concerning for me. Honestly, I I felt like at at certain points this year and, and and even in the playoffs, they were a better team when they were only playing with two of their stars. I'll say it again. They were a better team when they were playing with only two of their stars. You you could never say that before about big threesomes in 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 the history of the league. You know, Magic uh, Kareem and Worthy, they were never uh, better when one of them wasn't playing. The same thing with the Celtics' big three. Uh, m- more recently with Garnett 
and back in the day with Bird, Parrish, and McHale. I mean, they they were always better together. And that's a concern with this Cavalier team, man. And I think that they're going to get pushed to six or seven games in at least two series in the East. And I think that surprises a lot of people. I still think they're going to come out of the East, but I actually think that's going to be good for them, that they're going to have to go six games or seven games at least once or twice. Um, you know, in the Eastern Conference, because I think that that's going to build some serious continuity. Who cares about rest? Uh, A rest. The teams in the West, they're going to be beating up each other. So, you know, I I think the Cavs have some hiccups that they got to work through, and and fortunately I think the playoffs is going to be the time for this to happen. And I feel that they're going to be going up the escalator getting better every playoff game because it's one thing to be building this foundation during the, during the season, but during the playoffs, man, when you're doing that, it's just like it takes that relationship to a whole other level. So I don't really care about all this other jazz they've been doing all year in terms of what LeBron's been saying, whatever, man. When the playoffs come, ain't nobody going to be talking about that. They're going to be talking about what they did in the current game and how that's going to impact the next game. Okay. Do you have any thoughts? I, I think you did a, a really good job of it. And, 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 you know, and LeBron has been amazing uh, in these, you know, recent weeks. I mean, I think he's just been putting up some incredible numbers. And in some ways, I think all the attention on Golden State and a lot of stuff happening in the West have in some ways still been good for Cleveland because, you know, they, they've had a chance to retool. I, I think part of it, and this is, I've been saying this for a long time, I think part of their problem and why the big three doesn't work um, is because uh, when you watch previous big threes, they created rotations where people got got their numbers and their production by the way in which um, one of the big three or two of the big three were used with the second unit. And I still th- I think this is even more important with the Cavaliers a lot of because of sometimes the fragile psyche of Kyrie and Love in terms of not being able to assert themselves to get the ball, but by manufacturing opportunities where they become the focal point by leveraging rotations is something that I'd like to see them do more. I think I've seen more of it done with the coaching change than I saw before. Um, like I said, one of the examples I gave, what Spolster did, I thought, and this is why I knew he was going to be a brilliant coach, is when LeBron was changed, was struggling. I remember one of the playoff games, he basically took Bosch out of the game. He took uh, um, uh, Wade out of the game. He created a lineup where it was, it was clear, LeBron, you're going to have to assert yourself. And I think they need to do that moment to kind of do what I think what you're talking about, Phil, to create those, you know, opportunities where you're working on Kyrie and Love in the screen and roll game, almost like a Stockton Malone type of thing, and creating some continuity with them um, uh, as well. So I, I just think that you could do the same thing with LeBron and Love. And, you know, it, I just think the way they do the rotation is a way that can help them be in position to do some of the things. But I think if they can figure it out, because I think it's more important for them to do it than some of these other top teams. I think if they got that down, I think they'd be tough to deal with. I think they would be they would be tough to deal with if they could kind of figure out that rotation mix. And I think part of the problems happen because of 
people like Williams and folks like that have been hurt. Those are some of the people who can help you with those kind of rotations, but not having some of those guys available all the time to be able to work on that stuff, I think it caused some of the problems as well. All right, well, we'll wait and see. We'll see how the Cavs do in the playoffs. I think they're going to get a challenge from the Raptors, the Celtics. Um, all those teams will be in the mix. I still think the Cavs are the favorite. We'll see how it all plays out once the playoffs start in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with the last word as we close out another edition of the Real Sports Guys. RealSportsGuys.com, RSG Renegade Radio, the People's Podcast. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio, brought to you by K&N Air Filters. We are about to close out another great show, 90 Minutes of Funk. Fellas, it's been a good one. I'm going to close this out with this here, this last word. Uh, with this last word, I'd like to take take a moment and pay homage and honor the UConn women's basketball team. Um, Gino Oriema has done an amazing job of taking a program that when he got there was unknown, um, not a factor in that what was the time the Big East Conference, and turned it into a perennial, not even a perennial, a dominant, just a dominant force. I mean, watching them play, I've spent the last two weeks trying to figure out what's so different about the kids and the program at UConn than everywhere else. Um, and a lot of it starts with Coach Oriema, the tone he sets. Obviously, he has the most talented players. Um, I probably, he, You probably would say he has, you know, three of the top ten women's basketball players in college basketball on his team. That obviously helps. But on top of just having more talent than p- other people, he gets that talent to work hard. He gets that time to engage competitively. He gets that time to own their own success and to work um, towards excellence every day. And, you know, people debate uh, whether or not what they're doing is bad for women's basketball. As somebody who is helping grow the game at, at, at the grassroots level, um, it does nothing but help the game. It does not hurt the game. It gives us an example to point to and and to show young ladies who want to learn how to play basketball, this is how you do it. This is what you can become. And what it's doing is is raising the bar of expectation 
for young basketball players. That's a good thing. I'm not concerned about how they compete with other college players or whatever. They're giving young they're giving coaches of young players all over the country an end point that they can point their players to and say, if you can get to that level, that's what it should look like. This is how women can play basketball. This is how the game should be played at this level. And you can get there if you put in the time, energy, and effort. You can. That's what you're working towards. And as long as that bar keeps getting raised, you're going to see the level of play at the lower levels continue to raise because people are going to continue to emulate. I often say we women's basketball game is at a place. It's 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 thirty years behind the men's game because they couldn't play for thirty years. And so where we're at right now, we're in the midst of John Wooden's UCLA run, right? You know, I always said Brittany Griner was like a Lou Alcindor type figure. Brianna Stewart is like a Bill Walton. Um, she is a dominant, dominant force at this level. Um, four years, four championships, four most valuable players. That is an unheard of feat. I don't care if guy, girl, whatever, that should be applauded. So hats off to the UConn program. Hats off to Coach Oriyama. Hats off to all of his players. And everybody else just has to step their game up. That's it for the Real Sports Guys. We'll catch you in two weeks. Till then, peace.